Hi everyone, Sean Paul Ellis here from the Saturday Morning Cartoons Podcast. Remember, that's morning with you. I keep promising to keep this short. Honestly, everyone has had so much fun and have given us positive comments on different postings that we've had that I'm honestly about a half a step away from making mini episodes to make sure that everybody can get appropriate shout outs. Keep them coming. Really, I, I love it. Thank you. Some quick pre-show announcements pertaining to shout-outs, <laughs> where you can also find me, Sean, on some other shows that have recently been released. Quick note again for our Spotify listeners, what's happening over the next couple months, and more importantly, what's happening on today's episode. For our shout-outs, uh, we received this from Gray Dino for episode 202, Last Man. This person writes, Saturday Morning Cartoons, just letting you know that the title Last Man is supposed to be Aldana is the last man for the job. Ooh, jaw drop. I had really actually not thought of it this way, Grey Dino. I had really kind of thought of this as a last man standing sort of situation. I love this point of view. This is fantastic. Thank you. From YouTube on episode 85, Cat Dog, we have Mag Egg saying, this cartoon was so mean-spirited. I 100% agree with you. Cat Dog is really messed up gang, and it's also a body horror. So if anybody's into Cronenberg films and you want to see a cat and a dog smashed up who should naturally be mortal enemies, yeah, go check out Cat Talk. Uh, wanted to say from our Bubblegum Crisis episode, Doug Kendall, yes, the Doug Kendall from February 2019, Doug Kendall, has sent me his band name, club, and single as a part of the challenge that I gave Kalen at the end of the episode. Doug is the best, and so we wanted to read his submission. He has his band. His name is Doug and the Doombots, and the club that they would play at is called Guilty Pleasures, and his song or the single that they have for the band would be Sexeroid Love. If this doesn't make any sense to you, then go back and listen to episode 229 for Bubblegum Crisis. February 2019 will forever be Doug Kendallmont, so thank you, Doug. We appreciate it. Our next comment and shout out that we have. This is going to be a little bit long, but I wanted to make sure that I give it the attention that it deserves uh, because this is actually one of the reasons for starting this show. This is what makes this show so much fun for me personally and hopefully for you as the listener. This is regarding on YouTube as well as also Facebook. We had a listener regarding episode 216 for Spartacus and the Sun Beneath the Sea. Uh, we had a listener named Adam has commented on both of these. I'm going to read the whole thing for you guys with an excerpt where he pays a bunch of compliments to the show, which you guys can go read this on YouTube if you really want to. But he says, you noted during your broadcast that Liongate greenlit a modern film for the show, being Spartacus and the Sun Beneath the Sea. I need to make a confession on that below because that note is fictitious. The confession I am the individual who appended the note to Wikipedia over 10 years ago regarding Liongate has greenlit a Spartacus prequel. This is a falsification. I was hoping that by stirring up the rumor mill, actual interest might be rekindled. It was a true fan's Hail Mary attempt. As Melanie Harker on the show pointed out during the broadcast, fail, lol, I am leaving the note on Wikipedia because over the years I've found or read that many people that it was encouraged, as people have it oftentimes, referenced the note with renewed hope. The show is my favorite of all times. If you watched all 52 episodes, there are some dates and low-budget event moments. But overall, the show 
dives deep into a strange and fascinating plotline that doesn't come up for breath until the last episode of season two. By the way, a couple of the notes in the show itself, the elders of Arcadia actually did have access to the archives. The reason that they forbid others from learning from it is because they had rejected industrialism. As it had led to the war and the great cataclysm, the focus of the science on natural sciences, such as botany. The seven colors are another MacGuffin. It is unexplained, but it is what powers their science. But they are unable to fix the dying sun with natural science and new age type arts, as the problem stems from an industrial nuclear era crisis. Nina Womack and crew develop something truly rare with this animated series. It is brave, bold, and co would constitute career suicide were someone to air this today, even by 1985 standards. It is a unique and bold, one part and self-important deadpan serious tone of scripture, and the other part equally full-on acid trip of Beatles' Yellow Submarine cartoon. Two very different tones mixed with a rare genius into a story that takes itself so seriously it can't help but fail. As you've seen, the fan base is deeply dedicated, recognizing the rareness and uniqueness of this art. The show is almost sort of like a party guest who shows up sober and overly self-important, jumps right into pretentious conversation with other guests about religion and the purpose of life. Anybody in their right mind knows that more comic relief are necessary. Some small talk first, but no, this party guest puts it all out there with no reserve. The serious, almost haunting serious tone. Granted, the pirates and Bickenback help, but they only go so far to alleviate the ever-present seriousness and strangeness, and yet these bold, gutsy approaches to the show's atmosphere and tone are what the fan base loves, and it's what has made the show invaluable to us, because that sort of non-generic authenticity in filmed art is so rare, unheard of. Thank you again for the review. I respect the time that you guys put into this. I haven't shared my confession with anyone until today, but this was the right time. Holy shit, Adam, thank you for the confession. This is unbelievably thoughtful. I, I love this, and I love your review and, and all the compliments that you paid for the show. Thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate the fact that you loved this review. I know that Melanie and I really enjoyed being able to, to dig deep into this show. Uh, this really means a lot to me. So thank you, Adam. I, I can't thank you enough. You can check me out on a couple other shows. I was recently on the Be Kind and Rewind podcast. I was invited by Carlos from that show. Uh, very excited to have been on there. I've messaged this out previously, but you can go ahead and you can check out this show. I love what Carlos is doing on Be Kind and Rewind. Thank you again for, for having me on please go out and check this episode out about what happened to Saturday morning cartoons. Not morning with a U in this instance, uh, as some listeners have pointed out. So <laughs> thank you. I was also recently just on the Post Pinkerton podcast. If you love Weezer or loved Weezer like myself, then go check out my episode uh, as well as all the other episodes. My episode specifically talks about Photograph from the Green Album. Thank you to John Carroll for having me on this show definitely check out Post Pinkerton. Very quick Spotify notes. Spotify had just recently announced that they are looking at being able to only host podcasts that have an MP3 format because that's the only thing that they have that's compatible with their service. We are beginning to put all of our shows out to be compliant with them. Over the next couple of weeks, if something happens, please feel free to message us and let us know if suddenly all of our episodes disappear. 
Uh, it's been over a couple weeks and we're still going strong. If you find out that this happens, politely send me a note. We will send you a bunch of SMC stickers. How about that? Real easy. What are we actually talking about on today's show? So last month, as we had mentioned, it was Doug Kendall month. This month, we are focusing on more listener suggestions. We have a form that you can fill out in all of our social media, or you can call the phone number 202-681-4406. This just ensures that you get the proper shout out. And more importantly, if you call and you leave us a message, we will 100% review the cartoon that you submit to us. So today we are talking Garfield and Friends, thanks to Jason, who is about to get a more proper shout out in the show. Two weeks from now, Alvin and the Chipmunks. So Garfield, and importantly, the ampersand friends within the title. What is going on with this show? I have brought back our guest and friend, Charlie Visconage, and new guest, Matt Chaconis, to talk all about Garfield, U.S. Acres, Nermal's gender, and how to make the perfect lasagna. All of this and more. And so now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series, coming to you all the way from a Sunday morning comic strip in Muncie, Indiana, which will remain mostly unsaid because I want you to feel that the star of our comic strip could be your neighbor's cat. I'll be your long-winded host, Sean Paul Ellis. Joining me today, and clearly in a food coma after eating way too much lasagna, we are joined by local DC fartist, Charlie Visconage. What's up? Welcome back, Charlie. I've got a big old lasagna gut. Everybody can see it, and I am very embarrassed. Are you? <laughs> yeah. Because you've, you, I, you've looked content. Uh, well, I mean, content in the face, embarrassed in the, in the bod. Embarrassed in the bod. <laughs> We also have somebody else who is joining us today and arriving in a package all the way from Abu Dhabi. We have longtime friend and collaborator of Charlie on video and podcasts who also records and releases music under the moniker Shining Seconds. Welcome, Matt Chaconis. Welcome, Matt. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. This is a blast. I'm glad that you were able to, to make it on. And thank you for coming on. For <laughs> I feel like this could be your first and last experience given the cartoon maybe that we watched tonight no i i have some thoughts on it i have i'm not going to say nuanced thoughts because that okay. would make me sound smart but they're nuanced there there's there's some depth <laughs> to my thoughts is all i'm saying we are of course talking about garfield and friends and so matt along the same lines what is your actual relationship with garfield and or friends yeah so I didn't really realize my relationship to Garfield and Friends until I watched the show, and it actually brought back a lot of memories. I used to get up Saturday mornings and run to the attic of my parents' house and watch the show, and I loved it. Like It was euphoric because I was six years old, and it was a glowing screen like showing me stuff. It didn't matter whether or not it was shitty, but <laughs> when I was a kid, I absolutely loved the show. Very Maybe cool. because it was TV. And at this point, my relationship to Garfield is um, there's a fair amount of absurd Garfield content on the internet that I've partaken in. And uh, that's, if you say Garfield, the first thing I think of is um, 
like a, a four hour video I watched of um, people calling in and talking about Gar Garfield with a lot of um, animatronics. So it's <laughs> it, it, the, the internet goes deep on on Garfield absurdity. <laughs> Wait, what are these animatronic? So, <laughs> all right. So there, there's a small amount of background. There's this YouTube channel called Lasagna Cat. Okay. And they started off doing one Garfield comic strip followed by a music video. And the comic strip was live acted. So this guy had this huge puppet of Garfield. He acted out as John, and there was a puppet of Odie. Okay. This and then, sounds fucking terrifying. <laughs> it is. Oh, it absolutely is. <laughs> and Lasagna Cat did a dozen videos in 10 years ago or so. And then... Two years ago, they came out with all this content out of nowhere, including the aforementioned four-hour video and also a one-hour-long video of Drew Barrymore's brother dissecting one single Garfield comic strip for an hour. Wow. <laughs> so that's what I think of now when I think of Garfield is stuff like that. Damn. Wow. Oh, yeah, I'm just yeah. scanning through this YouTube channel and it is terrifying. Looking. Oh, yeah, the um the 4-hour one, I wouldn't the last 5 minutes of it are probably the most shocking um like snuff style Ugh. thing I've, I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't recommend watching it. Ugh. It's on YouTube though, so it's clearly not like awful. I'm not like a connoisseur of that stuff, so I found it oh. pretty shocking. Jesus, Charlie is looking Charlie's it up showing in real me time his, and his showing now. Yeah, oh. with the lasagna cat homepage. This is horrifying. Yep, yep, yep. Oh. <laughs> cool. <laughs> cool. And why do I feel like Charlie's like, oh, I'm not gonna sleep tonight. I've got actually, Sean. To do. Uh, we're gonna pivot my solo show. I hope you're still on board. <laughs> what? So we're gonna pivot my my show for the residency. It's just gonna be <laughs> more live action lasagna cat. Oh my god. <laughs> Can I play John Arbuckle? Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. That's what I want. But, but you're suicidal, John. <laughs> oh, God. If anybody wants to talk about suicide John Arbuckle, please make sure that they at Charlie Discanage. Do at me for that one. At oh, yeah. Charlie on Matt, Twitter. Uh, we, I've never told you before, but my catchphrase on this is don't at me, bro. Perfect. Which is why everybody should 100% at him about this. If you find weird Garfield stuff, please, please at us about that. Yeah, def, at I me. definitely want to watch this now. This is so My catchphrase so on this show is going to be, don't mat me, bro. <laughs> Damn it, that's so I like good. it. Oh. Charlie, what was your relationship with Garfield? Yeah, similarly, I remember watching it, I think in both... So as I recall, and I don't know, so Matt also grew up in Howard County, Maryland. I believe the local Fox affiliate had it on daily, I want to say, like in syndication in the mid-90s. Um, so I remember watching it with some frequency. So either every Saturday morning or daily. Right. And honestly, I remember the and Friends, like the, the farm uh, cartoon more than... Not like necessarily plot lines, but like even watching this episode with like kind of immediately going into the musical component, right. which I believe was basically don't read. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or reading is dangerous. Some definite mixed messages in terms of the yeah. PSA for this. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. I would really was reminded more of the, the farm characters than Garfield, but I watched a, a lot of it. Yeah. I, I'm in the same boat too. I watched a lot of this cartoon growing up. I remember a lot of it. 
I honestly had not thought about U.S. acres in several decades until suddenly Orson Pig popped up again, and we received a bunch of weird mixed messages just from from this in general. So it, it's and and also like a parody of a notable radio play yeah. slash book at some point. So it, it's just there's there's a lot going on with this that is uh, very nuanced. And I also feel like based on some of the characters' names, they were even trying to kind of play with some of it a little bit more. And, and I don't know, it, it's smart. I don't think I would ever have gotten that as a kid. As an adult, I think I can appreciate that. I yeah, think those for sure. Kind of, those yep. little Easter eggs are, are fun. They're nice to see. Uh, as it turns out, this Garfield and Friends, this is actually a listener recommendation. And so we had somebody on Twitter named Jason Ledbetter. He goes under the... Uh, Twitter moniker of Slim F and Pickens. And so Slim Pickens, he has said, and he submitted this on our online form and said, Garfield and Friends, the cartoon, was or is a staple of my childhood Saturday morning. I'm 35 now, and over the years, I've collected all sorts of memorabilia from floor mats to all the comic books, etc. I even wrote Jim Davis a handwritten letter in sixth grade. I got a letter and two autographs of his in return, which I still have today. And that wow. theme song. I know, right? That's, That's really cool. cool. I love it. And that theme song is an all-time classic. Was curious if you guys could inform us what caused the change from the original theme song to one of the most or the one that we're the most familiar with. I could go on and on, but I'll stop there. So thank you, Jason. We appreciate the message. If you are interested in recommending a cartoon, you can go on any of our social media sites and you can select. Uh, we have a form to fill out just to make sure that we capture your feedback, that we can answer your questions and dig into everything. Uh, it's on all of our social media. You can also go on and dial 202-681-4406 on your phone. Don't worry about writing it down. Also, why are you listening to a podcast and holding a pen at the same time? And why am I speaking so fast about this? Because <laughs> you don't want people to actually call in? <laughs> no, of course I Listeners, do. now, here's a fun fact. When you do call in, Sean will call you back probably about 11 o'clock at night and just breathe really heavily <laughs> into the phone. Gonna, not going to do that. But well, you already have. But I, mean. I, have not, I have never done that. I've never done that. If you call the number, though, it guarantees that we will review your cartoon Proof positive, all of last February, we had our user, Doug Kendall, call in and recommend two cartoons. And so that was what we watched for the entire month. Nice. February 2019, now forever known as Doug Kendall Month. Mm. So uh, we just make we just really want to make sure that we can get proper shout outs to everybody. So thank you, Jason, for, for getting into this. There's a lot going on here uh, regarding Garfield and Friends. But if you are not familiar, let's get into a little bit of history. Garfield and Friends is an American animated television series based on the comic strip Garfield by Jim Davis. <laughs> what was wait? What was the name again? Yeah, Garfield. I didn't get, get the name. Okay, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Thank you. Love the good vocal lift there. <laughs> Thanks, gang. Uh, the show was produced by Film Roman in association with, and we have to break this down for each of these different seasons. United Media in season one, United Media and Mendelssohn in season two and three. United Media, Lee Mendelson Productions in Season 4 through 6, Lee Mendelson Productions in Season 7, and Pause Incorporated. So this actually goes directly back to Jason's question uh, about why the theme song changed so many different times over the different seasons. Mm. Uh, in part, it's because of the different production companies, Yeah, so Jason. many so production companies. Myth busted out the gate. 
The show ran on CBS Saturday mornings from September 17th of 1988 until December 10th of 1994 with reruns airing until October 7th of 1995. Seven seasons of this series was produced. In addition to the segments featuring Garfield, the series also included segments featuring the characters from U.S. Acres, a comic strip that Jim Davis was drawing concurrently with Garfield when Garfield and Friends premiered on television. Like the comic strip, these were based on the animated segments that were then retitled Orson's Farm for viewers outside of the United States, taking the name from the main character, Orson Pig. Although Davis stopped producing new strips of U.S. Acres slash Orson's Farm seven months after Garfield and Friends debuted, the characters continued to appear on television until the series ceased production. A total of 121 episodes were made, each consisting of two Garfield segments and one U.S. Acres segments. That's a grand total of 242 Garfield segments and 221 that we have for U.S. Acres. All episodes have been released in the U.S. on five DVD sets by 20th Century Fox Home Entertainment. The first season aired in a half-an-hour format. However, in the second season, they switched to an hour-length format, showing two episodes each week. In the last season, while the series was still an hour long, the second half of the show featured either an episode from a previous season or one of the Garfield TV specials. So I want to say, in part, that's also why, for Jason, to answer your question, is that they changed the length of the show so they had presumably a little bit more dedicated time and money to be able to spend on making a new theme song. But because this changed hands, I guarantee that probably every production company was like, we're going to try to differentiate this season from the previous season and what people are doing. Turns out on May 25th of 1996, Nine Story Media Group acquired the worldwide rights to Garfield and Friends and all of its specials. I also want to say as a special side note, if you're out there and you're like, I want to watch this, you can go on YouTube. You can watch them for free. If you're sometimes like me and you want to pay a legit streaming service to watch them in decent, probably standard definition, because let's be honest, these aren't going to get released in HD, you can go on Hulu, which then will tell you you can subscribe to Showtime. And if you subscribe to Showtime through Hulu, you can get the first three seasons of Garfield and Friends, which is the biggest fucking mystery on Hulu. That's so, so we have Showtime through Amazon, but that won't work. I, I don't know. I, I guess oh, I'd have to take a look. I don't know well, why anybody would be like, I need to watch Garfield and Friends, but only the first three seasons, and I also want Showtime. <laughs> but through Hulu. Yeah, that's so weird. It seems very bizarre. <laughs> I don't know. I gave Showtime $60 over the last six months, I just found out, because I signed up for the free trial on Amazon, Showtime Amazon, that doesn't cover the website. And if you pay on the website, then you have like a different account and you have to keep paying for another six months. So it was a whole thing, guys. It was a whole <laughs> thing. Wow. And I didn't even, I could have been that. watching, could have been watching Garfield that entire time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, what a bummer. Uh, to help us understand a little bit more about the synopsis and plot, we are actually going to throw away synopsis and plot. Garfield's pretty formulaic, so we don't really have to worry about this. What is interesting about this that Charlie is going to help us out with is actually how each episode is structured. The scaffolding for these episodes is almost cookie cutter, uh, but then they swap out some of the moving pieces. So Charlie, help us out. Sure, yeah. So the episode begins with a Garfield quickie, right? Which is <laughs> a segment of the show that featured Garfield's Sunday strips from the mid to late 80s. And very rarely would a weekday strip be shown. 
So we're talking about like sort of an initial joke. <laughs> what? What? You say quickie. It was very funny. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Good. Jumping into the bathroom and having a quick fuck. <laughs> but th- these are just like a quick joke at the top that doesn't relate to the rest of the show at all. Right. Kind of like a Simpsons couch gag almost. Right. Um, this next bullet just says theme song. Right. So everyone has a theme song. <laughs> oh, but yeah. as, we've no- as we've noted, yes. there have been different theme yeah, songs yeah, throughout different, different seasons. Yep. So then after the quickie, we've got the first Garfield cartoon. And this is a more general Garfield episode taking us on a more domestic nature, mostly involving John and Odie. Right. Great characters. Um, and then we've got the one that I actually remembered here, U.S. Acres slash Orson's Farm, but a, a quickie of that. Boy, do you want to have a fucking laugh now? <laughs> nice. And this this quickie usually aired before the main story and featured strips from the newspaper run for that series. And these ran from seasons one to three. And then we get to the U.S. Acres actual episodes. So you can see this kind of following the same progression as the Garfield quickie then episode. And this featured characters from U.S. Acres slash Orson's Farm in various situations. From seasons one to three, there was a song segment that was built on the episode's theme, kind of like we saw on tonight's episode. Uh, And then there was Screaming with Binky, which was a segment that was the length of a quickie and ran at the midway point of those hour-long episodes uh, we were talking about. And these segments featured narration by Garfield, where the audience would usually find themselves in some place where quiet is a must or a person is in a delicate situation, such as a golfer making a critical putt. This would be followed by Binky the Clown appearing and yelling, for example, Hey, fisherman! Is that accurate to the- <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, you, yeah, it's literally just like somebody in kind of a very clownish voice. Hey, fisherman! It's just, I don't, I'm not doing it any justice. <laughs> Uh, sorry, listener, we're destroying this part. But most of, so this sweet catchphrase would cause a mistake of some sort. All but one of these segments were removed in syndication on the DVD because it sounds very annoying. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds <laughs> on the DVD annoying. releases. Screaming with Binky usually follows the U.S. Acres episode, while four segments were excluded. All right, so now we get into the second Garfield quickie, <laughs> just like the first quickie. except it would be on before or after the second Garfield episode. And then we would have another full Garfield cartoon. Um, These stories may have a more domestic nature. The viewers might see a parody teaching segment that featured a Garfield lecture of some sort or learning a situation. Again, sort of in the obedience school episode. Right. Uh, And then we had the end credits. Right. Quite, it makes it seem like a very long outline. It really, really think about it really it. does. And you know, and you think this structure that we just gave you, this was the structure for the half an hour episode, you know, with the it's exception of, get of in there. Uh, a screaming clown. <laughs> so this is very tight, uh, very quick, you know, with some of these gags, some of these segments. And for tonight, we actually, we watched season one, episode two, which has, again, these three kind of main parts to it, which is box of fun, as our first Garfield segment, unidentified flying Orson as our U.S. Acres, and then our second Garfield long segment is called School Days. And so season one, episode two, is what we are going to be talking about tonight with our snap judgments on all of this. To kick us off with this, got to talk about these theme songs. <laughs> got to talk about all these different <laughs> random theme songs that they have. Yeah. And so, Matt, what did you think of the theme song that we saw for tonight? Yeah, I, I thought it was incredibly peculiar. Um, I didn't realize until my second or third listen that Garfield was actually singing one part of it. 
it seems to be a take on some like older like 50s song and it's got Garfield singing one part and then the friends singing the other part and there's this tension where the friends are like we're friends and Garfield's like no okay I guess we're friends but I don't like it and I thought it was you know that idea is pretty standard for Garfield but the way the song was done was um I found it Peculiar and frankly a little unsettling. Oh, wow! Damn. Uh, was there any of the other theme songs that you had a chance to watch? Because the one that we watched is, I think, it was used for season one and two, and mm-hmm. then there's a season three theme song, uh, and then we have like a there's like longer ones that they have that kind of roll throughout. Like there are four different versions of this theme song in total. Yeah. Was was this your favorite or was there any of the other ones that you preferred more? Well, I <laughs> I did, I just I didn't care for I didn't care for this one. I would take any of the other ones over this one. I wow. I thought this this particular one, the season 1 song was a, pe- a peculiar choice and I think it was well done. Um I think there's clearly money behind this entire show and I respect that, but um I I didn't it, it didn't stick with me, and it, clearly something just didn't sit well with me. And I'll, okay. I'll it. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Charlie, what was your impression of the theme song for the episode, season one episode yeah. that we watched tonight? It was almost very sitcom-ish to me. Um, plus, you've got the characters kind of like you were saying that, like bumping each other back and forth. Like, I, So I watched that, and I was like, oh, God, this is kind of annoying. And then... <laughs> But I felt like it really pulled up from there. Um, like, obviously, I'm not going to reveal my verdict for this yet. But, um, you know, I didn't have great expectations going in following the theme song. Because I was just like, this is sort of annoying. I don't like the conceit of them, like, competing. Because they never cross over, right? Like, Garfield never meets Orson, I don't think. I'm I'm positive that in all of the episodes that they put together, that there had to have been a walk on or, or something yeah. at some point. Some sort of wormhole. Like, yeah, I feel like if them. they don't, then that's a real missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I remember as a kid watching the Garfield segments and then the and friend segments and being like, "Where's Garfield, bro? Like, where the fuck is <laughs> what's, Garfield? What's this bullshit show that's on right now? Right? I wish somebody, I wish somebody was making live action puppet versions of Garfield." <laughs> Right, I've been yearning for that. that. <laughs> Age six through thirty-three, yearning for that. Um, I'll be honest; I did not watch the others. Oh, you didn't? No. Okay. I'm right. sorry, Eric. No, 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 it's it's okay. Like it's very peculiar how they kind of ramp because the first one is like him playing the record, and then the next one is like him kind of like uh, conducting, like a almost like a symphony, uh, and then it, it just kind of like it gets bigger. You know, it continues to get like, you know, it's like a symphony for just like them out in like the backyard. But then I think in later seasons, it's like an actual symphonic like orchestra that they have. And so it just, it feels like it just builds from there. Like they were trying to make it larger than life. So interesting. Getting very cocky, it sounds like. Any any final thoughts? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Just throwing around that Garfield money. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, no, no other thoughts. I wasn't a huge fan of the theme song of the for the episode that we watched. Fair, fair. I, oh man, this is weird. You know, I had mentioned that I did watch this. This song was an earworm for me when I was a kid, and it was an mm. earworm for me 
as an adult when I watched it, I began to immediately sing along with it. And it's been several decades since I've watched it. And I just picked right back into it. And it was very weird that this would have stuck in my brain for as long as it did. Wow. It's crazy to think that using these Garfield bucks, they had dedicated money. So that means that they had dedicated animation. Yeah. So this is animation that you're really not going to see anywhere else in some of the other episodes. I believe in later theme songs, they kind of begin to splice in some stuff that they're doing. Mm. As we've mentioned in those later seasons, you know, that were an hour in some cases, they would just show older episodes instead of showing new dedicated brand new episodes that they had for the hour long segments. But I mean, the, the music was fun. I kind of got into it. I love the playfulness because you see kind of Garfield be his grumpy self. And then you see, <laughs> <laughs> you see everybody in US Acres just kind of have a very fun, positive vibe. So it's a nice contrast, like nice yin and yang yeah. to, to kind of how the, you know, to have in that theme song. Kind of a bummer that, you know, you don't get really much of a visual roll call. Yep. You know, I know you love a roll call. I love a roll call. I love a roll call in anything. And so, you see Garfield, and if you don't know who Garfield is, shame on you. You know, <laughs> yeah. What are you much, fucking stupid? Yeah, Macy's Day balloon icon. Like I feel like he's <laughs> you know as much of a household name as you could possibly get. But it's very weird because you see all of these U.S. Acres characters, and I have no fucking idea who the hell some of them were. And so yeah, they for, have not lived on. Yeah, they have not. I mean, and even to hear tonight, the fact that like historically he was working on it and he was like, you know what? Garfield's really taken off. Abandoned ship. Yeah, fuck this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're closing down the farm. <laughs> just like plot lines galore. Right, he just throws his notes at the writers and he's just like, yeah, you get a story by credit here. But I, I will say that I, as my final note for this, I thought that the lyrics for this were kind of, uh, were interesting and were kind of fun, just sort of about this, you know, uh, real friendship vibe, you know, uh, to kind of to to hit home on sort of the Garfield and friends and, and to see that through. I thought the lyrics were fun. I thought the music was uh, really kind of brought me back. So it definitely had that nostalgic anchor for me, which is obviously very powerful. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, I think if I came into this cold turkey, I'd be like, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> but for me, I was, I was 100%. Get your emotional hooks in. Yep, get my emotional hooks in. So I'm all good for it. So any final thoughts or questions about the theme songs, particularly the ones for Charlie that he didn't watch? <laughs> <laughs> Asshole. I don't know, some orchestra shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, you were like, oh, you know, I wish, wish there could have been some more orchestra shit. <laughs> They'd be like, there uh, was. Yeah, there was. Jesus. Uh, all right uh something that is very iconic about this show as well as also the comic strip itself is the animation style and so matt i wanted to get your impressions about the animation style that was used for this in reference to obviously we have a perfect roadmap in the cartoon strip what did you think about the animation style for garfield and friends we're looking at 1988 and it's kind of hard to gauge how fast technology moves. But there's a lot of stuff that I think like, oh, we weren't really able to do that until like the late 90s. Like everything before a certain era is going to be clunky and kind of like the puberty of of um, that particular style. An example, let me elaborate on that because that sounds strange <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about. But um, <clears throat> there were several games for... Nintendo and Super Nintendo that hold up incredibly well because they're very simple. And then all this technology came out 
And there's some N64 games that do not hold up well, that were wonderful at the time, that made use of this new technology that wasn't really refined at that point. And I look back at Nintendo 64, a lot of those games as being like the, the puberty of that time where they were still figuring things out. In any case, I, I look at this and I think like this was pretty good animation. It was not boring, it was colorful, and it was fast moving. So I give it my A plus Matt's seal of approval. Oh, very cool. Awesome. Charlie, what are you thinking about the animation style? Yeah, I, I really liked it too. I mean, it felt like it stayed very true to the comics. And I would, yeah. would say about U.S. Acres, like, oh, you know that's a Jim Davis character or characters right away. Yeah. Um, definitely has those very distinctive, like, uh, you know, like animals, but sort of like humanized in a way. Right. Um, the one thing that really um, kind of reminded me of this was um, another episode that I've been on Muppet Babies in a yeah. way. I felt like the animation style is very similar and the sort of like imagination conceit plus the songs. Um, and I I mean, I can remember, I think I was watching them around the same time frame, although one or both may have been in syndication at the time. Um, but I was like, oh man, this is feeling very familiar in like a nice way. Yeah, no, absolutely. I definitely think that there's a lot of imagination Especially in the the episode that we watched, I think the first Garfield segment, the the box of of fun. Oh man, I really liked that one actually. Yeah, I thought it was really fun. Like there was some definite parts to it where you can see that they they had a formula that they were sticking to. But you, it was interesting to kind of see a little bit of a longer version of what Garfield was thinking, how he was kind of interacting with the world. And and Matt, to your point, you know, there wasn't a lot of jank in this animation. And this would have come out in probably in eighty-eight. Yep. Uh, since it was season one, episode two, and like it wasn't bad. Yeah, now, I was really impressed. Now yeah. I I wonder, and I'm curious if any listeners out there know, over time, with the change in the theme song and the change in the production studios, if they introduced jank animation mm. later on down the road as a time saving effort. Because mm-hmm. I love it slash hate it when they do that. Yeah, I want to see some <laughs> yeah. really derpy Garfield faces <laughs> that they outsource to like the Philippines or something. <laughs> I was to gonna animate. say they just like outsource to their kids. Yeah, and just, like, yeah. Cut, it's just print, crayon Carola, scribbles. Done. <laughs> Would have been perfect. <sighs> but no, I mean, ultimately, I agree with the both of you, and I think that you know it really holds true to the comic strip. And I was surprised how much U.S. Acres followed suit in terms of its production quality and, and what it looked like. Cause they really could have just said, you know what? Nobody really knows about this U S acres. Let's just do whatever the fuck we want with it. Right. Like use some very lazy farm backgrounds and make it exclusively yeah. that, but they didn't. And I was kind of surprised cause those characters were pretty crisp. They looked pretty good. Yeah. The one animation style thing that freaks me out is how Jim Davis draws eyes. Not on animals, but when it comes to the human faces. Oh, where they're completely close together. They they look like just two giant ovals uh, and the little beadiest. Yep. And 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 the John Arbuckle character, I think because maybe we've seen him so often, it wasn't as off putting as the the militant female character that we saw who was running sort of the the cat obedience school in the second longer segment from yep. Garfield. Because her eyes are so small and they're so close together that it just 
like they look like two eggs and somebody like if you drew like a like with a sharpie like a line in the middle of the egg like they are that weirdly oval yeah, it's very grotesque oh, it, it's there's something Man, off-putting i'm never going to be able to unsee that now that you've pointed it out i <laughs> never really noticed that but it's so absurdly prevalent like yeah. they're just enormous eyes so Would basically they his character Would- Oh, I'm maybe, sorry, go ahead. maybe some some science folks can chime in and, and tell us would an eye function if it were that big. Like, there are Ooh. there any are there any precedents for that in the animal kingdom? It's just yeah. a giant target, but they don't really have noses. I guess the people characters, right? I mean, it, to the like to the extent that John Arbuckle, the lead <laughs> character, has a nose, like it's it's kind of non-existent. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it's kind of weird to to see some of these characters and the fact that like they. They're just like eyes, eyes and a mouth, yeah, and some hair. <laughs> so, hey, add some boobs to that, and now we're talking. What? <laughs> Why would you? Just want to look into two beautiful noseless eyes. Yeah, uh, Jim Davis really does that thing where he kind of has like the like instead of a nose, it's almost like a longer kind of like, like bridge. Yeah, like bridge and like upper lip that kind of slopes down into the mouth. Yep. And so mm. it's 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 very weird because if you look at a like a and, and that's at like a profile or like a three fourths shot, if you do like a full on, he just does like, it looks like a little T. He draws like a little weird T for it. It's Ugh. I don't know. That's probably why he always does three fourths. Yeah. So I don't know. Perspective gang. <laughs> just the characters works. can never turn. <laughs> hey, is something over there? Nope. <laughs> just not gonna look. Oh, very weird. We have a whole cast of weird characters to get into tonight. We've obviously talked a little bit about Garfield. I wanted to ask, from the Garfield segment of what we saw tonight, were there any characters that you really enjoyed, that you really liked, that you were kind of uh, surprised to see on the small screen? We'll we'll do. I promise we'll do U.S. Acres in a minute. But I wanted to get the Garfield because those guys are just the and friends, <laughs> right? <laughs> Fuck them, Matt. Anybody in particular that jumped out to you? It wasn't necessarily anyone in particular, or any or any cat in particular, but the relationship kind of surprised me because Garfield and Odie get along very well in this episode. I did not remember them ever getting along, but they're I, just like I, hanging out. They got retconned. <laughs> that friendship got wrecked on television. Jesus. Yeah. Which makes me wonder, like, is it me? Was it back in the day I saw Garfield? I was a sensitive kid, so there's a possibility and I mean, I'm curious to hear what y'all think that Odie was like slightly mean to Garfield and Garfield was like slightly mean to Odie, but in my mind I was like, "Whoa, that's super mean." Is that the case, or did we see some like Home Alone level prank shit between them at some point in time? <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like it was Home Alone level prank shit. I mean, most notably, he used to just always kick him off of the table. Like, oh yeah, that's right, right. He'd be right. on the side of the table, and he'd Thank just you. like, like boot him <laughs> off the side, no remorse whatsoever. So like, not only is he hitting him as hard as he can in the butt with his cat foot, with his cat paw, but he's like sending him flying. <laughs> Into the living room, presumably. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I feel like there was a lot of cat on dog abuse. Okay, so this was just a a moment where they were getting along, and that's it was a warm part of the episode. I I, I was kind of surprised at how kind of 
wholesome it was. Yeah. yeah. Do you, you want to tell us about that moment in the episode, Matt? Garfield is playing in a box. Right. And he's just like using his imagination in the box, straight up. Like he's <laughs> driving in a box car through like a NASCAR race. And at one point he's like being the announcer and saying, and he's coming along with his box, I mean car. And it was kind of funny. <laughs> that was, was a funny joke. Funny. Yeah, it was It was a good little subtle joke. And oh, um, talking about that lean, mean, corrugated machine? You yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> so at one point, John comes in and he interrupts like right at Scarfield and his imagination is about to win the race. And I thought that was going to be the moment where we're like cool with John being the bad guy. Yeah. Like there's this, I'm sure there's a name for this device in cinema where you give a person one bad trait and then it's just fucking carte blanche for bad things to happen to them hmm. because it's like, oh, they're kind of bad. Um, and uh, Odie proceeds to jump in the box after that and they're just like playing imaginary box together. They're like floating out at sea and then right. they're floating into outer space. I was fully expecting yeah. Garfield to just like take a shit and smear Odie <laughs> with it. <laughs> Damn. Like, wow. Like I remember Litter box being in so awful. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I agree with you, Matt. I remember Garfield being super abusive. So to kind of see them in this first segment being very friendly with each other, I, I thought maybe I had turned into the wrong cartoon for a second. Yeah. 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 So no in particular cat, but you're just you're you're digging you're digging sort of the vibe and and yeah uh, that's the what fact that jumps out to me for sure. Right. Cool. I like how Garfield uh, wasted those fighter planes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it really reminded me of the scene in Dark Knight when inexplicably the like little kids are in the back of the car just being like poof, 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 and then the bad pod comes by and all the cars blow up and they're just like whoa, whoa. what yeah <laughs> and uh yeah but it'd be great if <laughs> garfield really down those planes if, Gar- if garfield had like a persona that was batman yeah <laughs> uh any any particular characters charlie for you from the garfield and friends or from the garfield portion of this that stood out to you man so the the animal trainer character really bummed me out yeah in the in the second episode um you know they say hurt people hurt people oh and <laughs> you know call um, back call back and calling back to our uh to kate simes on our bojack horseman episode oh i don't know yeah it's not hurt, a conscious uh yeah no, hurt people hurt people yeah i agree um and it, it just like mildly depressed me because <laughs> it was just like clearly there's this lady's got issues and it doesn't really have anything to do with the pets, but yeah. they're the ones who have to suffer. No, it was definitely tough. I I want to say out of all the Garfield characters, the the character I think that I was the most excited to see that had the least amount of screen time was Normal. Ooh, yeah. And I think Normal is such a weird kind of contrast. Uh, to Garfield that it's it's always interesting to see. I wish we had watched a little bit more normal. I felt like we got a very quick amount of it and it was there and it was gone. Mm-hmm. Which Yeah, it was a little abnor- abnormal. 
Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Matt, you are so proud of yourself right now. I love it. I am. I am. <laughs> it was wonderful. Good. Thank you. But I wanted to ask, uh, Matt, any any characters from U.S. Acres that stood out to you that you were like, yeah, I like this? Yeah, Orson the Pig. There you go. Orson the Pig. So Orson the Pig is probably named after Orson, excuse me, George Orwell. Okay. I I had to write this all out because this particular plot line followed... The pig, whose name is Orson, um, reading a book that involves going to Mars. Right. Which would, Orson Welles was the person who spoke the War of the Worlds, which is about going to Mars, on the radio when everyone freaked out back in the 40s. People thought that there were really aliens descending upon the Earth. Um, Was it Orson Welles or was it H.G. Wells? H.G. Wells wrote War of the Worlds. Orson okay. Welles read it out loud on the radio. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Thank you. And then George Orwell, who people often confuse with those other two, wrote Animal Farm, which is about pigs. Right. And he also wrote 1984, which, as we all know, came out in the year 1984. And this episode... <laughs> Just four years after 1984, I get it. Ooh, yeah, this, we are putting tin hat, tinfoil hats on because it's getting Garfield conspiracy right now. We're midway down because Ender's Game came out in 1985. <laughs> you know who wrote that? Orson Scott, Scott Card. Card. Boom. It just gets deeper and deeper. Oh man, I like this. The Half rabbit hole three confirmed. Yes. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All that to say, Orson the Pig, um, cool character. You know, he he was pro-reading. I'm pro-reading. Run my campaign on a pro-reading platform, and I won't back down. Nice. um, I thought he was uh, a positive character. Great. Charlie? Um, I really liked Lanolin the Sheep. So I remember actually as a kid um, really enjoying Roy Rooster. for whatever reason. So I kind of like had that in my mind going into this and I was like, nah, Roy Rooster sucks. He's a bully. <laughs> I mean, I guess Lanolin kind of is too. Yeah, they're both, they're, both the the bu- they're both the bullies for, for really U.S. Acres. She's very uh, Dolly Parton-ish, which I found interesting. Like they tried to make her kind of sexy, which I, that is not why I like her. <laughs> I, I, I feel like that's 100% why you like it. <laughs> I have a huge boner under the table right now. <laughs> But um, like I kind of and I kind of like that they almost immediately launched into a song. Now, given its fascist anti-reading content, I can't say I support. Yeah, it just seemed like they were desperate to get shit to rhyme together, and were willing to like justify a song that's basically like I'm afraid that you are becoming more educated by reading. Yeah. It was a it was a little bit surprising to to kind of see them go in that direction because it, it kind of comes out of and you know kind of comes out of almost nowhere yeah and I and and just to quote uh, Lanolin says sometimes or they they talk about the fact that like you know it, it's uh, when you're reading uh, that they like that he's reading but they don't like what he's reading yeah so it's not <laughs> it's not reading. It's not that reading is bad, but we just don't like the fact that you're reading sci-fi. Like we hate 
that, which ah, maybe God. Jim Davis has beef with like Robert Heinlein yeah. or Orson Scott Card, who wrote right Starship it's Troopers. <laughs> Troopers, such a good book. Uh, but yeah, is it? It's, you recommend that? I actually oh, do. I loved it. I should have okay. said that when you were texting me about books the other day. Yeah, because that one you recommended was way too long. Oh, it Dune looks way. Yes. No, looks, looks way too dense for an audiobook. I need well, audiobooks can... need to be very straightforward for me. Well, Matt, at this point, also, if you were to do an audiobook of Dune or even pick up of the book Dune, you are automatically cast in the upcoming movie version of Dune because they've cast oh. everybody now at this but point. But the guy so who did uh, Blade Runner yeah. 2049 is directing it, so I'm in. I'm 100% in. I'm very pumped about this. Sweet. Uh, I, 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 as, a, as a follow-up quote, that Lanolin comes in at the end and she she says to reinforce the weirdness of the message, she said, sometimes they're real and sometimes they're to play pretend in reference to sci- reading sci-fi. And I'm like, yeah, unless it's, unless it's nonfiction, it's always to play pretend. Like, how are you not drawing that line in the sand? Yeah, that's weird. Like, that's, we have two classifications for books. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> Fiction or nonfiction? Like, how do you not fucking get this? We play and pretend. (laughs) The third category, just play pretend. (laughs) It's very, very weird. I I will say, uh, out of the characters that we had for U.S. Acres, I really liked Sheldon, who's a a chicken who has not hatched out of his shell. Oh, yeah. And I like Booker, his friend. Uh, They are kind of like, uh, they kind of play well off of each other. I thought that they were a fun kind of comedic duo. Mm -hmm. (sighs) All right. So, as I mentioned, we watched season one, episode two of Garfield and Friends. There are a lot of things that happened in this episode, and we are 100% not going to go beat by beat to get into all the things that we have that are in this cartoon, because that would take way too long. And you know what? We've already kind of talked about this. So, I've got some fun questions that I want to ask Matt and Charlie, and then we're going to answer any questions that you guys might have. So... This comes from Jason. He wants to know, normal, male or female? Matt. Female. I think female. I don't know why I think that, but I did not even begin to question that normal's female after watching that episode until you just asked. It is very interesting that you guys both say this because Jason has noted that there are multiple times where they use the pronoun he. Say what? Yeah, not only in the cartoon, but also in the comic strip. It's just very weird that they have a voice actress, uh, and she's also a composer, uh, Desiree Gauthier, who voices normal, which obviously would give it a female quality. So it's very weird to have a, a woman voice actress, but then they use male gender pronouns for I, I, normal. Can't recall, or maybe I just want this to be the case in my memory. Is normal drawn to be feminine in any way? I think it's very challenging because normal is like a gray, is a gray cat, and so uh, plus normal continues to call himself the cutest kitten, which I, I don't know. I, I like. I think that hmm. there's. I think there's a little bit of femininity to the language sometimes to describe normal and how normal describes and identifies himself, but he could be a cute dude. Right. Yeah. You know, I don't think there's any problem with that. Uh, it's just very interesting that they, they kind of go in that direction, especially with a, 
with a, a female voice actress to be able to voice normal, which obviously then tricks kind of everybody into thinking that normal is female. Yeah. Um, in fact, normal is a, is a male. Hmm. So damn bombshell. Yeah. <laughs> That's the bombshell. <laughs> if I was John, my gigantic eyes would be very surprised right now by that revelation. As always. Um, <laughs> uh, so regarding the show Garfield, and we've also mentioned the Anne Friends, do you think that this show could have been successful if it had been produced without the Anne Friends, Matt? The big thing that sticks out for me after watching this episode that impresses me, that sort of impressed me back then, but really impresses me now, is how fast-paced it is and how much change it has in it. I... Until I watched it as an adult with a keen eye, I didn't notice the like five, 15 second little bits that they do. Like they just toss little bits in there and they mix it up a lot, but it flows well. It really does. Um, it's like a nothing's coming to mind at the moment, but it's like an album that kind of goes back and forth between genres, but you can tell it's the same artist. Like anything time. by Bruno Mars. You're just yeah. like I'm making a wedding playlist, and I've got a Bruno Mars. Oh, I've got all these are all Bruno Mars songs. How did this yeah. happen? I he that 24 karat album <laughs> is right up my alley. So yes, Bruno Mars. Understood. So Matt is saying it needs the and friends. Is that what I'm hearing from you in order I'm to saying, make this successful? I guess I didn't really answer the question, but that's okay. That's why I'm clarifying. Yeah, because <laughs> we need the answer. No, um, <laughs> what I'm what I'm going for is that the Anne Friends served an incredibly important purpose. Now, if it was just Garfield, John, and Odie, you know what? I'm gonna say the Anne Friends were important, even though, as I said earlier, uh, I didn't care for the fact that Garfield wasn't in that world. Um, I think that they. I think the show would not be the same without the end friends, and I think it would fail miserably. Damn. Meow. Meow, wow. <laughs> I'm drawing, my, drawing a line in the kitty litter. <laughs> oh, jeez. I don't want to touch kitty litter. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, how are you going to pour it in the first place? You got to mm. touch it, don't you? No, just cut a hole in that what, bag, what man. Are you, are you scattering it like it's ashes? Like, <laughs> what are you? What are you doing, Matt? Yes, of course. I have a process. I have a ritual for my kitty litter. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> Duh. Well, I think I think maybe the the listeners are missing out because through a majority of this episode, Matt has had a small dog on his lap, and so are you? Would you identify as being more of a, a dog or a cat person, Matt? I'm a dog person. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say by choice. I developed a cat allergy in my 20s. I okay. had a couple great cats growing up. And I would love to have a cat if I were not allergic. And if they weren't, it's gotcha. very annoying to me. Understood. Shout out to the cats. <laughs> Charlie, I think I know that you're a dog person. I am a dog person. You are a dog person. Uh-huh. But For sure. I'm going to follow up and ask the same question. Do you feel that there can be just a Garfield or do you feel that it needs to be Garfield and friends? So I feel like from a practical perspective, it does not need the and friends. Ooh. 
Um, but that doesn't Oof. mean I'm not dipping in friends though. I guess what I'm saying is it surprises me that they're not just two separate shows. Cause it seems like there's enough content that it could have just been two concurrently running shows. However, I think from a business perspective, they need to and friends because they're able to stretch all the content a little bit further. And that's how they made it into seven seasons and, you know, can get into syndication after a hundred episodes or whatever. Gotcha. Yeah, um, it's it's also weird too because the cartoon syndication is sixty five episodes. Oh, so, oh, oh, I mean, this show almost nearly doubled that number. Yeah, yeah. So they had no problem getting syndication bucks from this. So crazy. All right, I'm actually saying that this show a hundred percent needs Anne Friends. Uh, I think it's I think the uh, the Garfield energy and imagination, like Garfield, can be a little bit of a slower paced energy. Uh, but can be very imaginative. And I think that it's contrasted in the middle of the show by this U.S. Acres kind of, you know, uh, light kind of very quick moment that's very positive, mm-hmm. uh, that has a lot of kind of like springing energy. And then it's sort of rounded out with Garfield kind of bringing it down again a little <laughs> bit sometimes, or at least like a militant, you know, obedient school teacher kind of bringing it down in yeah. a sense. And so I, I think that for the show to actually work, uh, and I felt that a lot of probably what they were doing in the writer's room was very similar to how Jim Davis had been putting together and creating the cartoons was, you know, how do we make this very short? How do we make this very punchy? You don't necessarily need or want to linger on these characters super long. Right. That's true. How do I get in? How do I get out? How do I make this 23 minutes? How do we make 121 episodes of this? You know? So, okay. Next question. If you are an alien and you are invading the planet earth, what pastry should you disguise yourself as? Now, obviously, in this episode, it was a cheese Danish that we had for our, our U.S. acres. But what do you feel in your heart of hearts, Matt, that aliens should disguise themselves out regarding pastries? Yeah, straight up, the first thing that comes to mind would be a, a donut. Nice. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Liking it. Charlie, what are you feeling? Okay, so I've got a clarifying question first. Ooh, Okay. So, as we saw in the episode, uh, Orson advises them not to eat the cheese Danish because he could be basically killing or eating live a baby alien. I'm going to pause. Are you going to say and ask the question, can you eat these aliens? Because the answer is yes. Oh, uh, no. Oh, that wasn't the question? Okay. No, no, no. If I'm disguising myself as a delicious pastry, if somebody (laughs) takes a bite Uh. out of me... Does that mean I, they like bit off my arm and I'm going to like bleed out of this yeah, yeah, yeah. croissant? The, but I want to, uh, to clarify your clarifying question. It's what should the aliens disguise themselves as? Are you an alien? That's oh, I'm sorry. To... I thought that was what the question <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> Viscanage. All right. Fuck so me. no, if the aliens are going to disguise themselves, <laughs> my mistake. If the, if the aliens are going to disguise themselves, I think croissant. Croissant? Yeah. Wow. I was going to say chocolate croissant. We're okay. On the same page. I well, like I would say because it's very Which common. Which is kind of a donut. Yeah. Sort yeah. of a donut. Well, they're all very common. So if you were trying to infiltrate somewhere, you'd get a lot of donuts in a Dunkin' Donuts. You get yeah. your croissants at every Starbucks in America. There you go. Very easy way to penetrate. Get in there. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your all's plan after that? Because my plan is I get in the bodies and then I get the little <laughs> micro medical bots that go into the bodies and like scan the bodies for like what's inside them, what they need. Oh, okay. These people need water. This one needs uh, nutrition. Okay. These people like nutrition and water. And then I come out the other side 
and then I can like get raid zapped back into the spaceship, turn back into an alien, and then have a whole book report on the whole body of the person. I love the idea that you're writing a book report as a result. You're not gonna like murder the earthlings. <laughs> That's what it you're is. Like That's why cut. I'm intruding. It's a book report. You're like the kindest alien. You're like, also, this donut was zero calories because I'm an alien. <laughs> My gift to you. I'm just going to pass through your body. Don't worry. There's You'll nothing poop to me out. <laughs> you poop me out. Oh, man. All right. Here, here are uh, a couple hot seat questions that I have. Matt, do you know what, do you know what the components are to make the perfect lasagna? Yeah, it's uh, you got the the paper. Hold on, hold on. All right, step one. You got the uh, the thin layer of pasta. Okay. Okay. Get you some tomato sauce. Put it on top. Get you some ground beef. Mix it in. Take your left hand. Do some swirly eights with it. Get another thin layer of uh, pasta. And then repeat twice. So you so you're gonna have a total of four layers of uh, the thin the thin pasta, and then turn the whole thing on. And its how side. much pasta do I need? <laughs> like a PlayStation Two. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, more or less as thick as a PlayStation yeah. Two. Yeah, there you go. It's a good frame of reference for that. I can get behind that. PlayStation Two, sort of the puberty era too. <laughs> of the PlayStation, yeah. Fair and enough. you know, something else comes to mind. Sorry to, I want to hear y'all's answer to this question too, and and also whether or yeah. not I got it right. But um, have y'all ever seen the very early Garfield comic strips and their very crude drawing style? Oh, yes, I no. have. It's, it is. It is very off-putting. Yeah, it's surprisingly. It's a little. I want to say uncanny. It's not like Uncanny Valley feeling, but it's um, so very different from the Garfield of today. Anyway, that's uh, my shitty lasagna. I call it Matt's shitty lasagna. Oh, I like, I like, I like your recipe. I'm not gonna crap on anybody's recipe for lasagna on this, so I'm very curious. Thank you, Charlie. What are your components for the perfect lasagna? Love. Love. Okay. Love. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Ask my wife nicely to make it. Do all the dishes after she's finished. Uh, say thank you afterward in my most polite tone of voice. All right. Got it. Got it. Do you have any idea what goes into a lasagna? Um, vaguely. I mean, I think that Matt hit all the components. Other than maybe it would add some ricotta. <laughs> Oh, you're the worst. Gosh. Uh, I, uh, I I did have to, to look this up myself. Uh, so there are really five basic components to making a lasagna, and a lot of it is just layered, again, over top of itself. One is you need uh, a ragu bolognese, um, which is uh, a combination of different meats. I'm so, lost. You know, you would I'm have... so confused. I'm sorry. I want to learn. Okay. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to learn. No, 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 don't worry. If uh, if anybody's curious, uh, if you look up the recipe for Bon Appetit's best lasagna, BA's best lasagna has uh, a great how-to on how to make it. It's been years since I've made a lasagna, but 
it all goes down to the ragu bolognese is really the meat sauce mm-hmm. is really going to be sort of the the protein that you have that's coupled with a bechamel which is your cheese sauce which is very common which to your point can have ricotta in it uh you have obviously your dried wide egg noodles that you're gonna that you're gonna use for this salt and olive oil mm. that's really it mm. that's really the whole thing guys gang that's it that's all you need for pasta Damn. it's that easy very fun so i'm gonna come down to my final question and i'm gonna see i'm gonna ask the question and i want to get both of you to answer at the same time is that cool you ready all right here we go all right is odie a good boy three two one one yes no Oh, here we go. Difference of opinion. Is Odie a good boy? Matt, you said yes. Charlie, you said no. Matt, any reason? Odie minds his own goddamn business all day long. And he acts up when he's provoked. But don't we all? Odie is a good boy. (laughs) Oh, God. Where's this going? This is really becoming one of those like what's in the box moments yeah. very quickly. <laughs> Charlie, you said no. I'd love to get your opinion. Well, I feel like no, but not in a way where I'd be like, man, fuck Odie. I'd be like, ooh, you scamp. Like, <laughs> he's bad. You scamp? He's bad, but he's charming. Like, he's got that little smirk. Uh-huh. He um, is. Like, he knows he's being bad, but, you know, probably will get away with it. Yeah, he's a little cheeky about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I got to agree with Matt. I think Odie is a good boy. Mm. I think that he, you know, he reacts when provoked. I think he's just a pretty chill dog. He seems pretty derpy. <laughs> he doesn't seem to to really kind of, you know, be super confrontational. There was a moment in the first segment that we had of the episode where when we have Garfield in his Italian sports car racetrack uh, imagination scene, where suddenly John comes into the room and is just like, didn't you hear Odie barking outside? And my reaction to the screen as watching this was very verbally, I just went, how the fuck did it become the cat's job to take care of the goddamn dog? Like, <laughs> Yeah, well, what we don't see, given the angle that it shot at, it's just the piles of trash on John's floor. <laughs> He's just a fucking disgusting He's just a hoarder. Yeah, yeah, there's like old newspapers. He like pisses in the corner of the room. Oh my God. If that That's why Garfield's always on like on an the countertop or a countertop. Holy fuck. I love that idea. That is. And then he walks on the ceiling to avoid it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At one point, Garfield's walking on the ceiling, and it reminded me of that scene in Train Spotting where the babies. <laughs> the babies on the ceiling. ceiling. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, oh, boy. That's all it reminded God. me. That's, I will never be able to, to see anything walking on a ceiling and then walking down the side. Not that that happens often without thinking of Train Spotting. Train Spotting came out after this. And correct. All I'm saying is train spotting was really the puberty of the train spotting yes. franchise. And it was directed a, by Daniel Spot. Right. Who is the son of somebody or daughter or son. He's the or son of somebody. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> he did it. I'm I'm impressed. Thank you. I wanna now open the floor to you guys. Were there any questions that you need to get answered from this episode or just questions that you might have Garfield in general? Charlie, I feel like you have one. 
<laughs> well, so I was watching this and my wife came in during the US Acres part and the part where Roy Rooster opens up the grain elevator and all the grain spills out yeah. and he's just horrified. And she's like, you should ask them if they've thought about drowning in a silo before. So have you ever considered the horror of falling into a grain silo and just being swallowed by corn? Oh, uh, I have never thought of that. So thank you to your wife <laughs> for introducing a new terror. Good luck sleeping. Yeah, son of a damn it. Yeah, I, I have consider that <laughs> and the the strange thing is i don't know why i i don't know why i thought of that i i've uh pretty much every year i go to a party on my friend's farm um <clears throat> I, i've been yeah charlie's been there he went to farm 09 and there's a silo there and i think late in the night someone probably brought up like what would that be like to drown in the silo but that like i've <gasps> thought about it like the whole image is in my head of what would happen but i'm not remembering the conversation fully wow yeah yeah i have i've never had that i've never had that thought never even crossed my mind don't go to the farm sean Uh, uh, i mean i want to but at the same time i don't want to drown in grain (laughs) so so i have a a question for y'all what do you think the director of the show gave the voice actor for Garfield as far as adjectives go. Huh. 90s ironic comedian. <laughs> I mean, I was saying, I think I said to both of you that just Garfield's sense of humor is so weird. It's We're, very dry. Very dry. It's like male Janine Garofalo in the 90s. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. Maybe not an adjective, but I guess I would... I think maybe the director gave the voice actor, uh, you know, who who actually is uh, is Lorenzo Music. I think he gave Lorenzo Music the 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 uh, tip of could you do a bunch of quaaludes <laughs> before you get in the booth? Just be incredibly medicated. <laughs> yeah, could you be very medicated before you get into the booth? Sure, booth? John. Yeah, what I were can, we talking about? Yeah, John. I guess I can do that. Okay. I'm gonna change my name to Lorenzo Music. I mean, how could I go? It's wrong? a great, it's, it's a, a great name. Great you should name. change it to uh, Lorenzo Muzak. Yes. <laughs> Troll him hard. Bingo. That's my vaporwave yeah. name going forward. Ooh yeah, yeah. Uh, Lorenzo Music, also notable voice actor of Doctor Peter Venkman on the Ghostbusters cartoon, yeah. huh. and I'm talking about the real Ghostbusters, not those. Ghostbusters, the fake ones with the the gorilla. Oh, uh, I thought you were gonna slam the. Uh, no, I think you meant you don't like the all lady. Oh uh, no, Ghostbusters. Show. Actually, I do. I did. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Was so trying to cast you as a sexist. No, well, <laughs> deflected. Yeah, deflected. Nice. <laughs> Understood. No, good question, Matt. Very good question. Any any final questions before we get into some listener reviews? Charlie, you want to ask your question? Sure. <laughs> Do you think Garfield's cum can hold be... Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I hate the fact that <laughs> cut you off after Do you think Garfield's cum? You should just use that as the, like, <laughs> the first few seconds that people hear and then cut to the theme song. Oh, uh, oh could, you, could, you, could you set it up with some context? That, yeah. <laughs> God, wait, Charlie, that was That was a little forward. 
That was, he just jumped right in. He just jumped right into that. I mean, we we have a we have a small amount of context for for that, but the, but the listeners just got bombarded with that with the start of that question. Oh boy! You launched into it like you had been thinking about this for the last hour. You're like, hold on, I got this Garfield cum question that I got to get out real quick. <laughs> Set oh it up, Okay. Resetting. So Sean told me we were doing this episode in early February, and then I was <laughs> surfing Twitter uh, on February 6th, and I <laughs> saw this person's tweet, um, and it was hilarious to me, and so I screenshotted it and sent it to Sean and asked if we could put it on this episode. Is that pretty yeah, that's, accurate? That's, that's great. Okay, that's good context, yes. Do you want to out this person's Twitter? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's at Dan, I-E-R-U-U. I thought it was very funny. So this is not an out. This is an endorsement. Okay, me. here we go. <laughs> this is not really a, a question or sort of. Garfield's cum can be used as an alternative fuel if you consider my asshole a vehicle. So I guess the question is, do you consider his asshole a vehicle? No. No, 100% no. Nor do I consider Garfield's cum to be an alternative fuel source. This is what this show's become. I love it. If you're playing categories and the category was vehicles, someone put... Whatever that guy's name is. <laughs> Garfield's coming his ass. Yeah. Jesus. Oh my God. Wow. No further questions. No. <laughs> That's your mic drop moment. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> All right. Oh my God. Charlie's gonna sleep well tonight after asking that question. Yeah. Getting that out. I it almost begs the question, how are you, how are you leaving how are you leaving my place? <laughs> What's the what what's the mechanism of transportation that you're using again? Oh, and what powered that? Uh, you know, a gentleman never tells. Gentleman never tells. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. To compose myself from this. Hey, guess what? You listening right now. Yeah, turns out you guys have opinions about Garfield and Friends. Yeah, very surprising. And you love to put them online. And so we are going to turn this over to longtime listener and friend of the show, Bobby Anthem, for this week's Love It or Hate It. Bobby, take it away. This week's Love It is titled Garfield Rules, written by Jay Weatherford 2717 in August 2001. It says, this was my favorite Saturday morning cartoon when I was little. I was hooked on the fat cat. In fact, I still am. I can't think of a more appropriate voice for Garfield than Lorenzo Music. May he rest in peace. U.S. Acres was pretty funny, too. I never thought that just a half hour was enough. Heck, I didn't think a whole hour was enough. Now, when they air it on syndication, they don't show all of the episodes. They don't even show the U.S. Acres quickies. Oh well. In all, this was a great adaption of a great comic strip. And our hated is titled Not As Good As The Comic Strip by Ian1211 on December 15th, 2008. This one is edited for length and Ian said, I liked, not loved, this cartoon when I saw this on children's TV back in the early 90s. I adore the comic strip, though. 
The wit and purity of the comic strip still appeals to everyone to this day. And even going into 2009, Garfield still proves he's going to be very popular. Just check out Borders for calendars. There was a lot of comic strips turned TV cartoon back in the day like Snoopy, Hagar, and Heathcliff. So I guess this was really only being a money spinner. First off, why is the animation in the Garfield sketches cruder than the Orson's farm ones? It's weird. Were they trying to develop styles or something? Because I find this really strange. I really didn't like the Orson's farm segments. They were boring and not funny. And another that bothers me is Garfield's dry wit. He's just a one-joke character who does nothing more than fools his foolish owner John, eat the house out, and humiliate the dog while making sarcastic side remarks. The animation was not up to standards either, and the voices graded quickly. And what was Odie during most of the episodes? Mind you, the Garfield stories were good fun, if they were original enough. I did like this when it first came out, but I lost interest as this went on, especially when it changed the theme tune and became more like trying to compete with Tiny Toons or Animaniacs. My final words, if you're looking for a good cartoon on a Friday afternoon and there's nothing on the other side, then this will do. But if you want to capture the pure wit and charm of Garfield and all his flavor, you're better off reading the newspaper each day. Four out of ten stars. I love that they hate it. The title was not as good as the comic strip. Like this, <laughs> this is not a comic strip. This is not. It's a cartoon adapting. Gar- oh. When I cut the comic strip out of the paper and just flick it in front of my eyes rapidly, <laughs> yeah. it's much more entertaining. It makes an entertaining picture book. So we are now at the point where we can give our impressions, our reviews, our endorsements that we have of Garfield and Friends. So just as a reminder, you can recommend something. Conversely, you can say you don't recommend something. And if you don't recommend something, you can go one step further and you can give this the Roger Rabbit style dip and erase this from the annals of cartoon history forever. And so Matt, I want to start with you. What is your opinion of Garfield and Friends? Garfield and Friends was better than the comic strip. Comic strip Garfield is dumb. It's not funny. Shots fired. It's the same thing over and over again. Uninspired. Uh, it's a yawn. It makes me tired. It makes me want to go to bed. It doesn't make me <laughs> laugh. Contrasted with like Calvin and Hobbes, which is action-packed, imaginative, funny, has adult jokes peppered in. And guess what? Surprisingly, this really surprised me. Garfield and Friends is a lot more like Calvin and Hobbes than it is like Garfield the comic strip. I was very impressed with the, really the tempo, like the cadence of it was incredibly good. Like brief little snippet, imagination, even briefer little snippet with totally different characters. And that's the setup for the whole show. I was very impressed. I will go ahead and give this an endorsement. I endorse Garfield and Friends. There you go. Matt, we got a recommendation from Matt. Charlie, 
you're looking at me like you got something to say. What is your what is your opinion? Do you recommend or do you not recommend Garfield and Friends? Okay, so I give it a soft recommend. Give um, it a soft recommend. Okay. Def. Like I this really had like a very pleasant uh nostalgia for me. Um so like that that's a factor like you can't ignore. Yeah. I don't love the theme song. Um I don't know what the other ones sound like. <laughs> and you have to keep this part in. You can't no, cut it because it not, references early. I'm not going to. <laughs> um no, I thought it was very enjoyable. And I you know, I I the more that I think about it, the more that I think you're right that Garfield needs and friends because I do enjoy the yin and the yang. Um like I like the Garfield imagination, but I like the kind of quicker hits of us acres and the more like uh greater variety of characters All right cool so we got a soft recommend we have a recommend i'm gonna go with a recommend as well really for honestly the exact reasons that you guys both said imaginative i think the cadence and the pacing is great on this uh i enjoyed the the theme song i definitely had that as a nostalgic anchor so it's it's impossible to ignore i was glad that we kind of went in and watched this again and i think to matt's point there is, to compare this against something like the actual Garfield comic strip, I'd have to, I'd have to read more before I, I give like a definitive yes or no, but like, fuck, like I didn't think of that, Matt. Like there is more imagination and there is more interesting things that are, that are in this. I don't remember yeah. a lot of comic strips yeah. where Garfield jumped into his imagination and had fun with stuff. Right. But at the same time, I'm sure that there are listeners that can prove me wrong. Uh, sure, yeah. I do also want to, th- I do also want to throw out and say that there are a handful of exp- or, uh, there are a handful of episodes where Garfield actually does end up in U.S. Acres. So if oh, people okay. are watching and are just like, I wonder if they'd ever do a crossover. They do. Okay, confirmed. So, does happen. Awesome. Uh, so yeah. So we have three. We have two two solid recommends, and we have one. It's like a two and a half. Yeah, I terms, mean, in terms of recommendations, it's it's definitely not a dip. I think that would be. Insane. Well, we're gonna round up. So that's three recommendations. Yeah, so look let's at that. Give it three. Look at that. Three recommendations. Thank you, Slim Pickens, for messaging us and saying that we should get into this. Yes. We greatly appreciate this. Very good right. Yeah. You, thank good you. recommendation. Yeah, absolutely. Jason, we hope that the wait was worth it in order to get to this episode. And I I feel like even from just Charlie's question alone that we're gonna get added a bunch <laughs> at at me. Yeah. Freaks out there. <laughs> Oh man! All right. Well, I want to thank both of my guests. Thank you guys so much for coming on this evening. This was a this was a pleasure, a joy, except for Charlie's questions. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much me. for having me. So glad to be Matt, here. I wanted, it's a blast. Yeah. Yeah. It was a it was great to to have you on, Matt. I wanted to ask or I wanted to check and see where can the people find you online. Anything that you'd like to promote? Yeah, I uh, put out an album a couple months ago. Uh, four track EP as shining seconds you can find it on all streaming platforms and it has art by charlie visconage and oh there's a it's electronic pop i wouldn't call it electro pop it's uh kind of experimental electronic pop the songs are short some of them take place in the 80s and um i would uh like I say, it's on uh, streaming platforms, Shining Seconds. Awesome. Yeah. Any place on social media where people could find you, Matt? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Matt Chaconis, M-A-T-T-C-H-A-C-O-N-A-S. Awesome, awesome. And we will put all of this in our show notes as well. 
So again, if you're sitting there and you're listening to this podcast with a pen and paper, don't worry about this. This will be all in our show notes. Charlie, what do you got going on? Where can the good people find you? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Instagram at C.A. Visconage, C-A-V-I-S-C-O-N-A-G-E. And uh, probably the next thing is something that you are working with me on, um, an installation show called Funland. If you're in the D.C. area, uh, Saturday, May 18th, a little, little ways away here, but that's going to be the main focus uh, for the next couple months. Yeah, got a lot of work. Got a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah, got a lot of work yeah. to do. It'll be fun though. <laughs> yeah, it'll be great. Wait. Yeah. Do you want to kind of pitch what it is? Yeah. So it'll be sort of a uh, installation show, kind of inspired by arcades uh, in Japan and also the Ocean City, Maryland boardwalk. So we will have some attractions and games for people to play, um, but you'll also be able to meet some interesting characters such as uh, dead and gone art figures and uh, your parents who might have some thoughts about your career choices. <laughs> and choosing to go in an, artist- yeah. choosing, uh, an artistic endeavor <laughs> as opposed to something that might be more lucrative. Yeah, something more practical. Yeah, 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 it makes sense. <laughs> oh, man, awesome. Uh, and you plug Sweaty in the City? Oh, yeah, Twitter, at me dog, Sweaty in the City, all one word. There you go. Made it before I decided to make anything of value. <laughs> Like you can always just change a Twitter account, but why would you? At this nah, point? I'm all in now, nah, baby. It. <laughs> awesome. Hey, everybody, you heard him on this week's episode. Our friend Bobby Anthem, go find him on Twitter at Bobby Anthem. Send him a message, show him some love. He is simply the best. Thank you, Bobby, for everything that you do. As for me, I perform live improv comedy with a group that's called Knox. That's N O X exclamation point. We perform with Washington Improv Theater. You can find tickets and times with dc.org. And I'm always on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Paul Ellis. Hey, want to support this show? Yeah, it's super easy. Just tell a friend. Review us on iTunes. Yeah, it's that, it's that simple. And it means a lot. So we really appreciate all the people who have already. You can slide into our DMs on Twitter at Morning Tunes. Remember, that's morning with the U. Uh, check us out on IG and Facebook at Saturday Morning Cartoons. Drop us an old-fashioned email, SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. You can find all these links, everything that we've talked about in our link tree, which is in the bio for all of our social media sites. You can always listen to this podcast on YouTube. Hey, we just got remonetized again on YouTube. Hell yeah. So <laughs> please listen on YouTube. <laughs> Apple Podcasts and iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever fine podcasts are sold. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back in two weeks with more listener suggestions. Talk to you then. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.